You're listening to another episode of Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. I'm so excited to talk brand strategy today with my guest, Katie Malezova. We have such a lively conversation ahead of us. I'm sure you guys have heard that phrase, brand strategy, over and over again as you launch and build your business. And today we are going to get to the root of what that really means and how to build that strategy following Katie's three-step process. As you know, once the episode's over, come join Katie and me in my Food Biz Whiz Facebook group, where we'll be continuing the conversation. I'll link to that group in today's show notes, or you can find it directly at foodbizwiz.com. Now let's get going. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. Hey, before we jump in, I want to make sure that you've grabbed my free retail roadmap, a workbook that outlines my nine steps to building a brand that flies off the shelf. If you're a producer of a packaged product in the food industry, you are going to want this. I'll add it to today's show notes, so make sure you check out that PDF when you're done listening. Thanks. Hey, Katie, welcome to Food Biz Whiz. Allie, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to be here too. And for those of my listeners who don't know Katie, you guys are are in for such a treat. Katie and I met a few years ago when I was a guest on her podcast, the Real Foods Brands podcast. I think Katie, I was uh, interviewee number five. It was way back when you first started, right? Yes. The first episode you were early on and I appreciated I appreciated you being an early guest because you were so wonderful to have on. (laughs) I got to say that right back to you. I'm so happy that you are such an early guest on my podcast. I feel like you and I are so aligned in, in how we help brands, you know, similar but different. Uh, You have such a wealth of knowledge coming from big food businesses that you have taken to help emerging brands in the food industry. So I'm so delighted that you're here. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and talk about a little bit about your background and what you do with brands now. And then we'll start talking about brand strategy. How's that sound? It sounds great. Good. All right. Well, I'll be brief so that we can dive right in. But I started my career at Kraft Foods and Brand Management. um, And I wouldn't trade that time for anything or in the other corporate roles I had after that. Um, But the past six years, I've been consulting with smaller, small to medium natural food brands. um, And it really is where my heart is. Um, I I love being on the more entrepreneurial side of things. I love working with people who, as I always say, are shaking up shopping carts and cleaning up grocery store aisles. And, you know, I have to caveat now that that's online and in Yeah, store, me, too, me too. I'm always like, <laughs> in retail, in brick and mortar, and digital shelves. And, online. <laughs> and I, love, uh, Katie, I love that phrase, shaking up shopping carts. Cool. Thank you. I just think that it's time that we need to do things differently. And I I don't want to always be negative. I mean, there's a lot of things that stress me out in our food system and I don't want to be negative about it. I want to really take a positive approach that we can do things differently uh, and make an impact. 
Yeah. And I feel like your podcast is so positive. That's one of the reasons why I love listening to it. You've got great guests on there. And of course, we, you and I already talked about this. I'll link, all, I'll link the podcast in the show notes, but remind us where we can find your podcast before we even dive in. Sure. Thanks. It's the Real Food Brands Marketing Podcast, and it is on iTunes or your other favorite podcast players. Um, otherwise, you can find it on my website uh, at realfoodbrands.com forward slash podcast. So awesome. Great. Pretty much and any of those places. I'll link all that stuff. So let's talk about brand strategy. I want to know, you know what it is, why it's important. And you've got three really succinct steps that our listens, listeners can follow to follow along with in order to build out their own brand strategy. But let's start from the beginning and tell me, tell me what brand strategy is. What does it mean to you? And why is it a, why is it a buzzword right now? Yeah, well, we'll dive into each of these things a little okay. bit more, but just as a, as an overview, your brand strategy is, um, the way I like to describe it is the way that you will meet your consumers' needs in a way that your competitors can't or mm -hmm. won't. So it's really your North Star that drives everything that you do um, and aligns you and your team and all the decisions that you make on both the front end and back end of your business so that everything is working towards the same vision. That makes total sense, right? It's it's basically getting everybody on the same page. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or not, but the the way that I think about building your brand strategy then is to define your strategy, to align your team and your activities again, both on the front end and the back end of your business, and then to activate that through your strategic plans. Great. So we'll we'll talk out those three steps. And I did jump ahead a little bit. So I want to I want to backtrack and I want to ask this, Katie, for, for our listeners who are tuning in and, you know, they may have been in business for years. They're having some success with their sales. They feel really good about their product. They make really great product. Right. How, how would they know that they need to go in and rework on their brand strategy? I always, I always want to know, like, how do people know if they have a brand or just a really delicious product line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is a very good question. I, I, I like that question. So you can have a good or even a great product um, without having a brand to your point. So without having a brand that resonates with your uh, consumer, it's really, I mean, even if it's a unique product, it's really more in the commodity bucket because it's mm -hmm. interchangeable for consumers. So um, you may know what makes your product unique, but without communicating that and giving it a personality and having the right packaging and having a branding that communicates that or connects with the consumers and having a story, uh, without all of those things working together, it's just a product. So, it, and again, it can be a yeah. great product and yeah. you can gain momentum and get sales from that. But I, you know, I think back to your days as a buyer when you're working with people now, if someone comes in with a whole story that you can tell, um, and that it all really works together to be building. It's kind of like the idea of the um, sum is more than the, the like what the parts the, are. The, now, parts. Yeah. Yeah, the, now, of sum. course, I can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> coming out, but. The, the total oh. sum is more than the individual parts. Yes, yes yeah. that's, that is exactly yeah. what I'm trying to say. So, um, so the idea, though, is that consumers can connect um, and, and it really transcends the actual product because they understand the benefit and start to feel an emotional connection to the brand, not just the product itself. It might be the product that ends up, um, you know, preserving a function for them, 
mm-hmm. but it's the brand that kind of gives them the feeling and makes them feel part of something beyond themselves. Totally. Uh, I think that's yeah. a good distinction too, that it, if the product itself can still be really good, we're not saying that Yeah. just because you don't have a brand doesn't mean your product isn't good, but it just means you're you don't have a personality behind it. You don't have that complete package. Um, I'm trying to think of an example in my own life. And the thing that I keep coming back to is my dish soap. I'm like, I, you know, for me, it's important that it's a sustainably produced dish soap and that, that it's scent free. But beyond yeah. that, like whether I'm buying seventh generation or common goods or Mrs. Myers or, you know, whatever it is, that brand is kind of interchangeable for me. You know, that is just pausing there for a second. That's such a good example too, because as soon as you started to say that, my thought was, oh, I love my dish soap and I have the same standards, <laughs> but mine um, I is Rebel Green and they just, they have a story. They happen to be a Milwaukee company, but they've got national distribution. So okay. I probably somewhat feel connected because it's local, but mm-hmm. then also they do have a story and, you know, have kind of a cool retro looking bottle and it. Um, is I do have more of a connection to it um, because it's a little bit more built out. So that it's a really interesting example you bring up. I love that. And I, I love the idea that one, one of us feels <laughs> yeah. totally disconnected and the other one feels so connected. That's uh, it just goes to show you that consumers are so different. Uh-huh. It is. Well, and if maybe there was something in the category locally to you that yeah. you yep. connected with, you know, it would stop you from switching between products because totally. uh, before this product, I do agree. It was just anything unscented and natural was what I, yeah. Looked for. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I've got to find that Bay area, uh, sustainable dish soap. If anybody's out there listening, <laughs> connect with me on Instagram, please. I will become a fan for life. Okay. So that makes sense, Katie, that, that before we even start thinking about brand strategy, we need to really ask ourselves, do I have a brand strategy or do I just have a product line? And time and time again, I, and you know this, Katie, you know, I do a lot of work on this in retail ready. I find that the brands who, or excuse me, the businesses, the companies who have that really delicious, awesome product, but who are lacking on the brand strategy are the ones who don't who don't grow with intention, who don't grow in the way that they want to, and who frankly don't grow as sustainably. Um, Absolutely. Then it's really that one-two punch between setting the strategy and then the strategic uh, strategic mapping to get Mm. there and bring it to life. Um, But before we move on, I was just going to mention that when I say that people start to feel an emotional connection to it, just something you said made me think of this is that it's really not even just consumers. It's really all key stakeholders. So that means that we're trying to get buyers to get excited and, um, and, you know, really connect with the brand. We're trying to get suppliers who are excited to work with you, investors, um, your company employees. It's really beyond just the consumers that you're thinking about. Um, and so that's, that's another benefit of documenting some of the things that we'll be talking about today. Awesome. That makes so much sense. Okay. Let's talk about your three steps. I love these three steps. I feel like I had a, obviously I had a little sneak peek as you put together some, (laughs) some notes for the shows uh, for the show. And I'm, I'm so excited about these. So let's, let's jump in. Tell me, tell me the three steps and let's start at the beginning. 
Yeah, that sounds good. You know, these are three steps that um, some things may sound obvious, but I've really worked over the past couple of years to refine these specifically for food and beverage brands. Um, and so I'm excited to share them also. As I mentioned earlier, I'll, I'll mention all three of them again, and then okay. um, and then we can dive in. So the first step is define, the second step is align, and then the third step is activate. Awesome. Should I get into step one? Yeah, define. Okay. Great. Uh, so I define is really identifying that North stars through brand strategy. So there's a lot that goes into this and I won't have time to cover it all. Um, but I um, want to at least give, give some ideas of the ways that you could start to define your brand strategy and the highest level way that's still valuable that I've um, figured out to talk through this is the three C's. So if you picture a Venn diagram with competitors, consumers, and company, mm -hmm. Um, and then we're going to talk through each of those just briefly, because these three C's, again, when they overlap in that Venn diagram, that's where, you know, if I had a big arrow pointer right now, that's where I would say there's magic. And that's where you figure out, like I said earlier, how you can meet your consumers needs in a way that your competitors can't or won't. I, I love this. I love the idea of the Venn diagram and if you don't have this as a social media graphic yet, I'm going to make it so we can share that. <laughs> I do. Thank okay. you. Right. <laughs> I appreciate that. You could probably spruce it up. I'll show it to you. Um, okay. So the first one, competitors, is some people will say, you know, I don't really care what my competitors are doing. Mm -hmm. I have my own unique thing and I just want to keep my head down and do my work. And while I appreciate that thought, it's really important for two reasons. And one is for nothing else is you're talking to buyers. And again, you could talk about this much more than I could. But uh, when you're talking to buyers, they want to make sure that you really understand your category and yeah. that you are not just, you know, pushing your thing and not aware to the whole landscape. Yeah. Um, the second thing, though, is really to find those gaps and opportunities. So it's never to be a me too or a copycat. It's you know, I, I'll share this exercise that I like to do to identify those gaps and opportunities. Um, again, pretty simple. But if you go and list out just even on a simple spreadsheet, um, maybe eight to 10 of who you think your top competitors are, and you start to cut and paste some of the website copy that you see on their website or headlines or just write down some mm -hmm. of the things that at a real quick glance, you see when you visit the competitors, either their packaging or their social media or their website. And then I even like to take a little screenshot of the package as well. This is part of yep. what I do in the brand um, strategy playbook uh, when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with clients. And there is just something magical that happens when you get things down on paper. I love electronics, but I, I mean, this is all done electronically, but, um, <laughs> but like uh, thinking things is one things, but actually getting it down yes. is another yes. uh, because you have to choose certain words and you can actually start to see the trends. So you start to see, well, all the competitors are talking about this, or why is nobody talking about this? And it could be because it's a bad idea or <laughs> because nobody's thought of it yet. And that's your, that's your niche. And that's what you're doing. But because of your, uh, we'll get into it, but because of your kind of superpower or unfair advantage, you are seeing an opportunity that others aren't seeing. So actually outlining your competitors in a list on paper or in a spreadsheet can really be more powerful than you would imagine. I love that. And Katie, when you, when you think about competitors, do you think about beyond your direct competitors? Like say I made apple pie mm -hmm. and people are eating it as dessert. Am I looking at all the other flavors of pie or am I also looking at brownies and ice cream and cookies and all of that? 
I would say the latter. So, okay, um, I mean, it, it really does vary by business uh, yep. and it varies by how many of these you want to do. So I always acknowledge um, here's the adjacent categories that we could be sourcing volume from or mm-hmm. you know, sales from. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when I get into this document, because I've got to draw the line somewhere, I usually... <laughs> say, you know, eight to 10, because you can start to see the trends. You could do this. And, you know, maybe you say every week, I'm going to add five to it. If you really want to keep on um, building this out, or maybe you've got a VA or somebody who can do this for you or an intern. Um, But it's, you got to step somewhere. So I do agree though, that looking at the, looking at the um, adjacent um, things around you, things that you would be swapping for your product is also a good idea. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's this, you know, I often have clients who say, I don't compete with anybody. I'm totally different. I'm a, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a fava bean hummus and there are no other fava bean hummus is on the market. I'm like, okay, well, what would they buy if they weren't going to buy your product? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, okay, cool. Exactly. So the competitors is that first part of the den, den yep. diagram. The second one is consumers. You talk a lot about this. Um, so I won't dive too deeply into here, but I just really want to note again that we are looking at um, your core consumer. So your primary consumer, and then we can also recognize who your secondary consumers are. A lot of people are a little fearful about really honing in on just one consumer. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, and I think I've heard you talk about this too, that it's good to recognize who those secondary consumers are so that you are not saying I'm forgetting about them. <laughs> and we're not trying to necessarily, some people are okay with alienating others. Um, I you know, usually go towards, you talk to your core consumer without necessarily alienating anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my, kind of my approach to things. Um, but um so we've got that primary and secondary consumer that you want to think about. And the, the other things that I want to think about always are the demographics and psychographics. So mm-hmm. demographics used to be more important when everybody was buying a lot of media. Now it's, I mean, so it's not unimportant, but the psychographics, those attitudes and behaviors are just really important to capture now since um, there's so much related to content and lifestyle and influencers and partners. And there's there's just some really important things there. So you always want to capture the attitudes and behaviors of your ideal consumer also. Um, And the reason why we do this is because we want this person that we're creating here to always have a seat at the table when you're making decisions. So you could say, you know, let's just say our ideal consumer was named Allie. We'd say, what would Allie think? And, you know, would she like that flavor? Would this new packaging align with um, her values or you know, say you're 80, could you open it? You know, there's, I'll just always have a seat at the table for your consumer. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, Then the last one here is company. So we, um, this is where it gets into a lot of where the brand strategy work is. So um, just at a really high level, this includes things like brand pillars, brand positioning, your brand personality, and then that unfair advantage I mentioned earlier, which I just love. It's like the thing that you almost feel bad for your competitors (laughs) that they don't have this and, you know, but you don't really feel bad for them. (laughs) (laughs) But that's your unfair advantage. I will say that sometimes when we have gifts, we don't realize what a special thing that is. We kind of just think that everybody has that same gift. And so sometimes you need to work with somebody else on identifying the unfair advantage. And just a quick tip here, um, the things that I like to look at and, you know, specifically to really hone in on that advantage are the people that you have that could be yourself or your team, any special skills or history history that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, 
processes that you have that might be unique? And then anything specifically about your products? I know I've seen you post about so many interesting products that you work <laughs> with. Um, and I think they probably hit the West Coast sooner. Yeah. <laughs> and, yep. um, but, the, you know, any really unique things about your product and it, it, that's still pretty functional. So we, as part of the brand strategy, you want to think about the benefits to the consumers and things like that. But um, that product differentiation can be part of what sets your company apart. I love that. Can I, I'm going to ask you a, a personal question sure. and I promise you that we can edit this out if you don't want to answer it, but Katie, <laughs> what would you say your unfair advantage is? Yeah, no, that that's a good question. Um, I have thought about this actually, and my unfair advantage would be being able to connect the dots on things. So um, I, I'm not the type of person that toots my own horn or easily, but I have thought about this, so I'm able yeah. to answer it. But yeah. I've realized um, over the years that I notice things and I hear things when people say them and I pick up on things that not everybody notices and picks up on. And so I'm able to connect the dots between when I'm talking to clients and when I'm doing the research and when I'm putting this stuff through the frameworks that I work on them with, um, this sort of creates these connections in a way that um, other people don't always see. So I'm not saying I have like this mystical power. I'm just saying <laughs> it's an ability to really listen and care and connect um, connect people and ideas. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Okay, so step one was define and I'm eager to get to number two, but I wanna know, I'm, I'm wondering if you can use the car example that you shared with me earlier, yeah. the example of a brand's North Star, because I think you've got such a strong example for, for our listeners who might, who might, still be connecting the dots themselves on what this all means. Yeah. So um, the brand strategy, <clears throat> or excuse me, the North Star is really the culmination of the brand strategy in the entirety. Um, so when you think about a car like Volvo, and they're all about safety, everything they do is about safety. And on the flip side, not that they have to be mutually exclusive, but on the flip side, I think of Jeep and it's all about adventure. Yes. And whether it's the upper end of the Jeep line that will probably never hit a dusty trail, you know, it's the idea that you could. <laughs> so everything that they do from the back end to the front of the business is all around either safety or adventure in those two examples. Mm -hmm. So product design and engineering and advertising, and, you know, it should be to what the salespeople are saying on the floor. It should really yeah. flow through from soup to nuts, back end to front end. Um, everything should be around supporting that because you know that that's the insight that your customer or the person who's shopping for that car, um, you know, whether they can really articulate it or not, that's probably why they're attracted to the brand. Totally, right? Like maybe the Jeep sales people on the floor are wearing Patagonia vests and car hearts. <laughs> Like, you know, like nice. they should be, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, right. If they're not, they should be, um, you know, kind of alluding to that sense of adventure of what they're doing on their days off and on the weekend in their Jeeps. And that Volvo salesperson might be a little bit more, you know, polished or conservative in their clothing. They might look like a family man or woman, um, you know, a, just a, a, a different style to yeah. the employee dress code even. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, and it should. I mean, that's a, it's a good example of thinking about even what they wear. Companies who really win at this, because we're trying to make that emotional connection, some of them are um, subtle and some of them are really overt, but all of those things add up and all those details are really important. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they all, I mean, it goes back to what you were saying. It's the 
the gosh, I'm going to screw this up now. The individual pieces yeah. <laughs> end up, you know, making a really powerful uh, collective sum of all parts, right? Yeah. I think it's that the sum is greater than, I don't know. I will figure this out and I will, I'm going to put this, this um, inspirational quote in our show notes. Yeah, it's so. gotta be the sum is greater than the parts. I think. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Katie, let's talk about step number two. So we've got we've got this idea of we've defined our brand strategy. We've thought about our North Star. We have this big, powerful message <clears throat> guiding us in one direction with our brand. Then what do we do? What's step number two? Yeah, so the second step is really to align your team around it. And you may say, well, Katie, I wear all the hats, so I'm the team. <laughs> and that's okay, because you still need to sit down and think about how you would align the front end and the back end of your business around your brand strategy. So you can literally, um, whether it's you or you and a team member or a supplier that you could collaborate with on this, you could literally sit down and think about all the different parts of your business. Um, and how, now that you've defined your brand strategy, how would that impact the way that you buy things? How would that impact the way you look at your financials? Mm. How would that impact, um, you know, what packaging you've chosen, your ingredients? Um, you know, just ev literally every cross-functional area of your business, um, you can go through and sort of pick that apart. And I say pick apart, but it actually should be exciting. Not like, oh, how am I going to do this? It's kind of like, I love this idea. And now I can't wait to go and fuse it into everything that I do. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, and you've got to get everybody on the same page, whether I love that you said, maybe it's just you yourself <laughs> yeah. or you and your suppliers, your vendors, the wholesale accounts you're working with, you know, all of those people on the same page of what your brand strategy is. Exactly. And it's not, you know, some people say, well, how would, you know, my supplier help me? Um, you don't have to share with them your entire brand strategy. You could even just give them you know, kind of the high level nuggets out of it. But for example, if you have a packaging supplier that uh, doesn't know that you would really love to get to compostable packaging, for example, then they won't know to reach out to you when they've got this new thing that hits the market that would really fit what you're looking for. So what we want to do is really, again, whether it's an internal employee or contractor or a supplier, we want to build that excitement and buy-in because that's where you'll get loyalty and engagement. Mm -hmm. You'll have those people calling you to say, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to share this with you. You'll never guess what just hit my inventory or, you uh, know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense, right? They, they're the ones then calling you up saying, I just got this great new sample of a compostable package rather than you having to hound that supplier week in and week out, um, reminding them, you know, that you're looking for something new. Yeah. And they can only do that if they know what your, um, what your goals and vision are. And it's similar, you know, internally, even good ideas can come from anywhere. So you might have someone on the production side of your house that they, um, you know, they see waste happening every day on the line, but they just don't really know that they have a say or that, you know, yeah. that you would care. And so they just kind of think that's the way it's supposed to be. But innovation and problem solving can really come from anywhere within your business. And once you've let your team know what your vision is and that you value their input, um, some people think this, you know, they take for granted that people just know that, but not everybody knows. Right. Um, and so then you have, you know, you've got people who are engaged, you've got advocates that feel value and they really believe in the brand and they'll tell the world about it. Plus they can make better decisions, uh, on the business's behalf when they really know where you're headed. 
Yeah. You empower them to be an advocate for your brand. I love that. I love, I love getting the team involved. And, you know, after all, we do have to show our employees and partners about their potential opportunities in the company as well. True. Um, If we don't share that vision, how can they get on board with us? Uh, So I want to know, Katie, how, how do you actually share your brand strategy with these people? Like, is it, is it typed up in a document? Are you getting people together in a meeting? Is it on your website? Like where, how do you share the vision? Yeah, well, I I think it's probably a combination of all of those. It's the okay. way that you're already communicating with your team. But even taking a step back, I think it can start at the interview process. So mm. you can check for a fit or the passion, even way back at that point. You can yeah. see if they either um, currently have a passion for what you're doing or could get there. Um, and then, but, you know, moving forward, then things like you said, like you could do it, um, via email, you could put in a share drive, you can create a handbook, you can put it in an onboarding process. Um, but I would also say whether it's one-on-one or in team meetings, there's nothing that can replace that face-to-face to you. So I like having things in writing so that people can go back and reference them. And, um, you know, as I say that, like, who's going to go back and look at a handbook, even if it's something really important, they're probably not going to. So I always think it's great to, if you can write this in a way that's engaging um, versus just like, here's more stuff that you have to go do. So, yeah, we used to do yeah. this thing. We used to do this thing at buy, right? I, I'm sure they still do it, but we had uh, quizzes uh, for mm. the 30 days, 60 days and 90 days of new employment. And the first quiz would be all about the company values. It would be some of the nitty gritty details on like the address, the phone number, the opening hours, the owner's names, just so all employees within the first 30 days could articulate the details that a shopper might ask, you know, like what time do you open tomorrow? As well as, you know, why do we source the way we do? What are our company values? You know, what is our company slogan? I mean, I kid you not, it feels, I can still recite all of those things because it was so ingrained from day one into our company culture. And so what we did, which I think was really brilliant, we would, on the first day of employment, we would give that, that quiz, the questions and the answers. So that employee, all they had to do was study it. They didn't have to go searching for the answers themselves. And at 30 days, we would sit down and have a cup of coffee and have a conversation where we just talked out the questions and answers. It wasn't, you know, it was that oral, you know, uh, connection, like you, you mentioned is so powerful, Katie. That's so good. I love the, um, you know, like I was saying, the handbook can be a little bit boring. So boring. (laughs) The quiz. I mean, still, at least it's documented, but yes. um, the quiz idea is really cool. That makes yeah, it fun, yeah. And, a little lighter. And exactly. It's really important. Exactly. And once they passed the quizzes, there were there were prizes for passing. So I forget exactly the order, but it was like, you know, if you pass the first one, you get a really great Byright hoodie. If you pass oh. the second one, you get the Eat Good Food Byright cookbook. If you pass the third one, you get, I don't know, like a like a back brace and a box cutter. Like something. <laughs> really helpful, uh, that the staff actually really wanted for their, their position. That's yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It was really neat. So I love that idea of, of communicating it to your employees, to your suppliers, to your vendors, to your wholesale accounts, all of that stuff. Um, and depending on who they are, you're going to communicate that in a different way. The team meetings, the emails, the shared drive, you know, on and on. Exactly. Okay. 
So we've talked about defining, we've talked about aligning. Next up, we're going to talk about activating. But before we get there, I'm going to have us take a brief pause and catch our breaths and we'll be right back in 60 seconds. Instead of having a sponsor for today's episode, I want to give you a freebie, my retail roadmap. This roadmap is essential for anyone launching or growing a packaged food product as it clearly outlines the difference between creating a product line that flies off the retail shelf versus one that just sits there. Find my free retail roadmap linked in today's show notes. You are going to love it. All right, Katie, we're back. Let's talk about the final step in in our brand strategy. You shared with me that the final step is activate. Can we talk about what that looks like? Yes. So I like to think about activating in terms of getting your strategic priorities in order. So how does this, now that you've got your strategy in place, how does this actually come to life? You know, kind of a continuation of last one. How does this come to life in everything that we do? But we can't always do everything or we shouldn't try to do everything at once. We've got to do the right things at the right time. And I could talk about this for a whole separate episode. So I I think what I'll do is I'll run through the eight strategic priorities and then we can just talk briefly. Um, But the idea is really, again, can't do everything at the same time. So let's, let's organize them in order and then figure out what tactics you need to do first, second, and third beneath each one. And then the ones that are at the bottom of the list, yeah, you might have one or two things that just, you know, have to keep do to keep the wheels on the bus, yeah. but, <laughs> but it's not your focus. So you can let it go. You okay. can free up brain space. You can free up budget space. Oh. Um, and it you feels speaking, re- yeah, yeah, you are speaking to my heart. I'm like, yes, let's, let's, <laughs> let's stop doing those things. Yes, exactly. Okay. So here are the eight things. We've got the brand strategy foundation and I'll pause there quickly and say, I put this on the list because not everyone has done the work that we've just talked about. So it's on the list in case you haven't done it. Brand strategy foundation, operational efficiency, financials, marketing and visibility. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) It's where my heart is. Leadership (laughs) and building your team. Yep. Customer experience. Mm, that might be my favorite too. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> okay. As you go down the list, you're like, oh, I kind of yeah, like I'm that. like, oh, I like that one. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> uh, okay. So I said customer experience yep. and then scaling distribution, yep. which you must also love. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I like that one too, but I, I was trying to hold my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and then product mix and making sure you've got the right mix of products. So I'm going to just quickly go through that again since awesome. um, I interrupted a few, or, you yeah, know, I talked through it. No, that's okay. That's what I do. Okay. Brand strategy, foundation, operational efficiency, financials, marketing and visibility, leadership and building your team, customer experience, scaling distribution, and product mix. So now your brand strategy, even though I include this on the list, because as I mentioned, not everybody has already done that. That really needs to be the core and the foundation so that you know what you're building all these other things around. Yep. Um, And then the order that you put these in, um, it can really change even by quarter. So the, the way that I like to do it is put these in order for a quarter and then list out the things that need to be done within each one. Uh, and then, or some, some people like to list out what needs to be done with each one. And then that helps them decide mm. what order to put them in. So you can yeah. do it that way too, actually. Um, most people just kind of know, like, I got to get my operations in order because if I can't create enough product, I might as well not be doing all these 
social media posts. Right. You know, yeah. I, or I, I shouldn't yeah. be looking at scaling distribution if I don't even have my apps in order. Yes. Or I, if I don't have like, you know, all the food safety plans in place, like I'm right. really at risk. So some of the things that maybe don't seem as sexy, but they have to be done. You put that at the top of your list and it will just feel so good to get it off, yes. um, off your list. And you put those Facebook ads on hold for a couple months or, or a month or even a week, whatever it takes uh, until you can just move forward on the things that are kind of cluttering your brain. So yeah. this is just a structure to really make sure that you're bringing your plan to life and in the right order with the right priorities, um, aligning that vision with strategic priorities, with your technical plan. Um, and so it's it's a nice way to make sure that you're bringing your strategy to life uh, in an organized fashion. I love the idea of these eight priorities because when you list when you listed them out, Katie, I'm like, oh, she makes it seem relatively simple. Like if, if I just have these eight pieces that I'm moving around in my business, I don't know, for me, that feels so much, so so less daunting than just having a never ending to-do list. Yeah, I totally agree. When I first started doing this for my business, it was a, a game changer. And so I've adapted this list for food and bev specific and added a few things and tweaked it around. So again, like this whole thing, everything kind of evolves over time. Um, and I'm really happy with where these three steps are because they have proven to work. And you, when you kind of work the process, it really streamlines your decisions and um, really helps integrate things. Yeah, that I, I, I love this. And I can tell that you've put a lot of thought into this and it's really become a, a pillar of the way you work with clients. Yeah, thank you. So step one was defining. Step two was aligning. And step three was activating. I imagine it's pretty important for people to go in order here as well. I, yes, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I, there's always the caveat of like, again, you know that there's just the things that you need to do in your day-to-day business, but so keep doing those things, but then work the process in the order. Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh, Katie, you've given us, you've given me so much to think about oh, and I'm good. sure that you've given my listeners a lot to think about as well. I am so appreciative of your time on here today. So where, where can people find you, Katie, if they want to stay in touch, if they want to continue the conversation, if they need some help with this sort of thing, where do they find you? Yeah, great. Well, my website is kind of the hub where different links can be found, um, realfoodbrands.com. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, really. Um, You can find all those links on the website, though. Yeah, and I'll include all of those in the show notes as well. Um, On your website, last time I was there, you had a really awesome brand checkup uh, for, for people to download. Is that still on your website? Yes. So thank you for mentioning that. That actually really encompasses a lot of what we talked about today too, because it's 25 different areas of your business that you can rate yourself one, two, or three. It's not to be hard on yourself. It's just to say, here's where we're really rocking it. And here's where we might need to put a little bit more focus. Um, so yeah, that is still there. If you scroll down about halfway on the homepage, you can find that. Um, awesome. So and I'm all- glad you mentioned it. Yeah. I I remember that being a great resource. So I'll include that in the show notes as well. And then of course your Facebook group too. You've got a really engaged Facebook group, um, that I've been in for, I don't know, probably 18 months or so. And you're collecting a a really great group of food business entrepreneurs. So, and is that at real food brands, Facebook group as well? Um, yeah. So if you look on Facebook, you can find the real food brands marketing Roundtable. Awesome. Oh, right. That's what it is. The the round table. table. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. Okay. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. This oh, this is so much fun. So Always fun. so fun with you. I I do want to take one one more opportunity and say that you you really have been such an inspiration to me as I have launched this podcast following in in your footsteps. So thank you so much for doing that. I can't wait for the next opportunity for collaboration. Totally. Well, you've inspired me along the way too. So I I love that that um, we can do that for each other. All right. Thanks, Katie. All right, my whizzes, thank you guys for tuning in today as well. Again, let's keep chatting in our Facebook group. I'm going to list out Katie's eight, eight steps that she went over in the activate portion over in our Facebook group. I think that'll be really valuable for you guys. I'll link that in the show notes and I will see you back here next week for another episode. Stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.